Welcome to Talking in Stations, a podcast about EVE Online, recorded on Twitch and Saturdays at 1500 Universal Time. Matt rolls off for the next two weeks, spending time with the family. No, that's not a uh, code for he's been fired. We'd let him know by tweet if that were the case. But I'm Dirk McGurk from Sniggerdly and Pandemic Legion. And I'm your co-host today. Or I'm also the co-host of the Open Com Show. But I'm your host today. And I'll be joined by a, uh, by a slew of uh, other people here just to, uh, I don't know, give you kind of a short version of talking in stations you know, while the Alliance tournament is on. So you know what? Without further ado, let's go through the introductions starting from the top. Jeronica, you go first. Hi, I'm, I'm Jeronica. I'm in a habit in Pandemic Legion, and I also run the Eve Mogul um, Financial Services. McLeod. Oh, I'm sorry, um, yeah, I, I'm McLeod. Um, I am, well, a producer of this show, which got off to a, a bit of a late start, and I'm sorry about that, uh, personally. But uh, I, I fly with the, uh, uh, the Imperium uh, and with uh, the initiatives. I'm Seamus Dunahoo. Sorry, I'm Seamus Dunahoo, a member of the Education Department at Eve, Universe, Eve University, and apparently I cannot talk today. That's fine. <laughs> well, at least you didn't come in with a screech or a really loud noise, you know. What's up, guys? Still here. Uh, I'm with. Uh, used to be with Test. I'm with Triumvirate. I'm a writer for INN, and I used to do the EN24 podcast. And hey there, Tobias Stargazer, um, long-time sufferer of Matterall. Uh, hopefully Dirk will ease my pain today, but uh, hiding in the dark because I'm a scruffy guy today, but I'm in uh, Dice Corporation Northern Coalition, um, and here we go. And I'd, I'd just like to say right off the bat that if you guys are watching this and not watching EVNT, then you don't have to worry about missing EVNT because... Just like that. We're going to throw that up on the screen. Uh, and again, this is going to be a little bit different. It's not your normal talking in stations where we sit there and interview somebody and, you know, get all like, you know, really deep and, you know, all that kind of stuff like Matterall does. This is basically going to be conversational format today. So uh, no Xing up to talk. If you want to say something, just say it. Um, but we are going to start off with the fact that the Alliance Tournament 15 is currently going on. And uh, I'm going to tell you right now, freaking Eve NT has stepped their shit up. I mean, <laughs> They this this entire thing looks better than the actual alliance tournament. I don't even know if we want to go back to CCP TV, uh, uh, you know, in two weeks. I think that maybe even T should just keep covering this. Yeah, it's pretty good. I mean, I've been watching. I mean, I'm not involved with it. I, I nearly went up in Nottingham. A few people have gone up there to the studio, but uh, you know, they've hired out a professional studio up there. They've been planning it for six or seven months and. Uh, you know, it's, it looks like it's really paid off, and I'm really proud of the guys over at EventT. They've done a really good job. It's a very yeah, good I mean, production. Yeah, you know, you know, I mean, even you know, even kind of the the uh, the in game coverage of the tournament itself, but also, I mean, the, that studio that they've got rolling there. I mean, <laughs> Jesus. About like a minute or two ago, they put up an overlay that had one of the Brave Hounds fit on it, and they had, you know, all the low slots, the high slots, like the value, the damage. It's like, I just thought that's, I don't think that's something we've seen CCP do. That was a really cool. I like that a lot. No, I didn't, I didn't even know anything about that. I don't know where that whole ship viewer thing's come from, that ship fitting viewer, but that was pretty sweet. 
this might actually, you know, like, you know, to some extent, you know, make, you know, make it worth watching even more. What do, what do they have over there? About 4,000 people that are watching at the moment, which is great for a, you know, for a first weekend, uh, for a first weekend of the, you know, of the tournament. Right now, we've got two matches going on simultaneously, basically. So you're only able to see one, but... Uh, uh, you can see the other one, but it's being uh, broadcasted by a German Twitch stream. So if you understand German, that's the one for you. But yeah, if you don't, watch it I anyway. Mean, Give them some views. I mean, you don't really need to understand German, right? I mean, you can mute it and still get the <laughs> and still get the effect, which is bars going up, bars going down, and uh, and ships disappearing yeah, and from one side to the other, and stuff blowing up. Exactly. Which is exactly why one of the thoughts one of the thoughts for today's shows was uh, today's show was to actually do kind of a drunk simulcast, you know, where we where, where we just get drunk and try and co-commentate the the, the tournament. But uh, yeah, no, it's too, it, it's too early in the morning for that. At least here in the uh, here in America. Yeah, I mean, is that we, we like have had drunk that. history. Well, no, not really drunk history, but like we 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 were kind of wondering about like um, I, I know that we've had sort of like discussions here and there about going like oh we should do like commentary, but just like random commentary over like you know over the the actual proper tournament just 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 for a laugh and yeah, I like the idea. Exactly. Look at that control bar going up! Oh my oh, god! Maxing the hell out of that. Maxing the hell out of the control bar. Well, Anyways, I, um, yes, yes. Who? All right. So, the, so this year, Tibbs or you know whoever here is, you know who's got a really good handle, you know, on this. I mean, obviously, if you've got a really good handle on this right now, you're probably sitting on the desk at Event T. But um, <laughs> who, who, uh, who, who are the top contenders this year? Do we think? Tiger, um, well, I, I would C's say be up there again. I think. I would say one of the things that uh, that Jintan actually put out, he put out two videos on uh, uh, on YouTube today, uh, not today, like he put one out last weekend and now this weekend, like literally today, something. He did yeah. a he did a top contenders one where he basically like you know these these are the these are the historically the best kind of uh, contenders for the uh, for AT15. Um, and then, uh, like literally today, like today slash yesterday, last night, sort of thing. He uh, he released another one, which is basically his like his favorite underdogs, like the the people that you should watch out for, kind of thing, because they may sort of you know throw a bit of a uh, a curveball into the mix, sort of thing. Um, so his top contenders were PL, uh, Hydra Loaded, and the Tuskers, um, kind of. So, very, so kind of basically standard. the same. Basically, the same, yeah, yeah. the same big three as 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 I think every year. At this yeah, point, right? yeah, pretty much. No. But his underdogs, were, which were kind of interesting, were um, uh, Phoebe Freeport, Republic, uh, Brave Newbies, and Test. Yep. And Brave Newbies have already started off with a uh, with a victory, right? That's right. Um, kicked out Goonswarm in the first round. Uh, Goonswarm straight into the loser bracket. So that was that was quite an interesting one. That's Ouch. For sure. But uh, saying that Goonswarm um, have, like, historically been a bit hit and miss with their AT teams, and it seems maybe it's starting off to be an off year again, but we'll see. Uh, you can never count the Goons out. Maybe they're just doing it to get into the loser brackets for the meta points. You never know. <laughs> well, I mean, if I recall, Goons don't typically have a a, uh, a team, right? I mean, like, in years past, there were a number of Alliance tournaments that they were just not a part of. I don't yep, think they yep. fielded one in the past two years. Definitely not last year. 
I mean, at least Goons. Goons is an organization. You know, you know, I know for a couple of years there, TNT did, and and some other Imperium alliances did. But uh, but Goons initiative and all that. Yep, yep. Yeah. But um, no, I mean, definitely like the big underdogs to watch. I think Jim Tan's got the hit the nail on the head with it. Is uh, people like Phoebe Freeport Alliance, uh, Test Alliance, um, and Brave. Like Phoebe Freeport last year did amazingly well. Um, they they got a lot higher than anybody would have thought, and they really took down some some big heavyweights last year as well. So uh, it'd be interesting to see if they can carry the momentum of that last year and get into an even higher bracket. So uh, some of the, my my favorite matches from last year were Phoebe Freeport ones. Um, and that- must have been. It was just saying, Anomaly says, this is the best GSF AT team in years. We're improving just by getting in. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Hey, but, you um, can't win if you don't compete. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, but one, one of my underdogs that's not on that list um, is actually, I'm not even sure if they're in it at the moment. No, they're not in it. Never mind. Don't worry. We'll carry ah, but there they are. Band apart. There we go. Um, they did all right. Uh, they managed to get through a couple of um, rounds. They've been practicing really, really hard uh, since last year. They they seem to have had a very, very focused team. So they might be a bit of an outsider. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how they do. I'm interested to see how far Shadow Cartel goes because they went pretty far um, in the past couple of years. They got knocked out a little bit earlier last year, but they still have like a solid core and lots of experience. And I think where they are in the bracket this year, it's looking pretty good for them. And the interesting thing about this year's uh, Alliance tournament is because unlike previous years where it used to be all about the buy-in and if you got in on the buy-in, you, you're all right. Uh, this year, there was a whole set of feeder rounds done um, a couple of months back where essentially anybody could run. You paid down the flat entrance fee for it, which wasn't a lot. I think it ended up being like two, yeah, 2,500 plex. Um, you put that down, in you went, you went through the feeder rounds. And it's given, um, it's shaken up the opening brackets uh, quite well because there are some teams in here that I just have never seen before, um, which is great. It, I think it's uh, like Skill Yourself is one that I've never seen before. Um, Dreamfleet's another. Uh, we Want Your Risk, great name, um, is another one. Uh, thermodynamics, there's, there's a whole bunch of names in there that we've just never, ever seen before in there, and a lot of them managed to get through off the back of those feeder rounds. So um, I, it, it's really, really good to see a, a nice shake-up on the opening rounds. So I'm really keen to see how they do. Yeah, I really like the idea of the feeder rounds this year because 32 of the 64 teams came in by way of the feeder rounds. The top 16 teams, I think it was, came in by way of uh, came in by way of buys from last year, right? And then you had 16 teams that were able to actually buy themselves in through the through the auction. Um, and, but, you know, but half of the field fought their way into this, which which is really the way I think it should be. I, I, I'm almost questioning now whether or not, like, you know, even being able to have buys from the previous year is is the best way, or does it not just make it better to just say, you know what, this is just a fight to get in, period. Even if you're Pandemic Legion or Tuskers or whatever, you got to get your shit together early and, and make your way in, you know, just like everybody else. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think uh, it was... Because beforehand, it literally was always the, the main big teams and maybe you see one or two names in. But now, because it, it's 
yes, you still get the first half of the field um, being able to do their buy-in. The second half of it is completely open now. And um, it was a format that was taken up uh, by Eventy um, for the Eventy Cup to get into their tournament. And it seems CCP have gone, hey, well, actually, that's not a bad idea to get some new blood in there and maybe encourage people, give it a nice low barrier of entry to start getting in. So even if you don't get into the tournament proper, at least you can start building a team and, and putting them in, into test into real life sort of alliance tournament rules, alliance tournament environments to start getting them in. So it's a really, really good change. It's it's It means an extra like two, three weeks on the beginning of the, the tournament, but it's it definitely seems to have been worth it and paid off. Yep. So, uh, you know, so again, yeah, I, I would encourage everybody out there that, you know, you know, well, once this is over or watch them both simultaneously, which you can kind of do here, <laughs> um, you know, to check out the Alliance tournament this year. I think it's, uh, you know what? Okay. So, so it, it's obviously going to be interesting to watch for those of us, those of us who are E players. Um, this year, however, th that whole skin in the game thing is kind of missing. Eve bet's gone. We don't really have a way except for this thing that came up. I think I saw it uh, two days ago or something like that. There's this brackets thing out there um, that is apparently approved by CCP. Um, that you know, there are potentially some ISK rewards from it. However, you don't have to pay anything to get in. It's based on kind of donations into a big pot. But there's a way that you can kind of like you know pick uh, pick pick the brackets, which I'll link here in the uh, the Twitch chat. Does anybody know where this came from? Oh, I think was it Jin? Is it the AT Webar one? Yeah, I think Jintan. I want to say started it. And I guess it's probably locked now, right? I mean, now that the now that the tournaments, uh, you know, so I don't even know why I'm putting it out there. No, like, still, you can still uh, select your picks for rounds that haven't happened yet. Um, up until that round actually starts, like I started mine about two matches in so i didn't get to pick for the first two matches but i have the rest of my bracket filled out and i'm getting checks or x's based on what i get right so you can still participate uh yeah it's too much yeah i mean you know that's kind of one of the things that i think uh there needs to be something like this. I mean, you know, for engagement of the broader community, um, it's great mm -hmm. to sit there and root for somebody. I mean, number one, being in the Alliance tournament, no matter, you know, how good or bad you are is, is totally a fun thing to do. Um, you know, even if you only last two matches, um, you know, it was still, you know, fun to, you know, compete in these things. Um, but for the viewers out there, for the thousands of viewers like they have right now, there needs to be like this little extra thing, I think, you know, to to really kind of get people, uh, you know, engaged and sort of you know have have a bit of skin in the game. And and losing Eve, losing Eve bet, I think uh, was a problem. It had its own problem with existing because then you could have things like collusion and things like that, where you know people are betting against themselves and like you know ultimately you know make more isk by betting against themselves than than. Uh, you know what they might get by winning but just like real life huh just like real life <laughs> uh, yeah i mean just like real life um you know but i think for the you know for the spectators out there we know that the alliance tournament and the way kind of eve is played is not necessarily uh you know super gripping and exciting right you know you, you, that there needs to be kind of this other you know tie-in to it and, I mean, and while and while brackets are cool, you know, I don't know, betting on individual matches is you know you know is better. I wish CCP could find a way of you know somehow getting that back. Yeah, 
I mean, we can all understand why CCP ended up doing it because of, you know, all the laws that were coming to light after Counter-Strike skins and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it was a different thing entirely, but, you know, they they quite rightly, from a business point of view, were quite worried about what the ramifications would be if, if they kind of dabbled in that area, um, especially if they allow players to do it who could potentially abuse it for other reasons. Um, but it's still... Absolutely right. It doesn't, I don't get why they haven't already put it into the game. It was a part of one of the original design plans of uh, EVE Online to have some sort of gambling element into it. And um, from from what I can understand, there is actually like places where you can go into the client and you can see references to some sort of gambling games and things like that, but they were never put in for some reason. So... I don't know how they do it, but if they if if they want um, you know if they want players to scratch that sort of gambling itch, and I think there certainly is a, a group of them that likes to do that. Um, I don't understand why they haven't put it in the game already. I think just the whole gambling, you know, you got to regulate it, and there's a lot of like real world laws about it. I know who is it, Valve, um, have to kind of limit their like micro transactions as part of. Um, CSGO with the whole key lottery and I know a lot of them got shut down especially because underage people who play the game uh, could potentially be gambling and that's you know a whole other can of worms that is a, really a lot of effort to get into for CCP it's, well, I mean, it's it, it, it really goes back to the whole thing of, of kind of the real the real microtransactions and real money when you allow real money to to have access to your game, right, and officially access by way of things like Plex and whatnot, you 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 really open yourself up to um, real money that gets translated to virtual currency that then gets gambled and things like that, right? In the absence of that whole microtransaction thing, none of it none of it is a problem because the whole idea of gambling in a video game is not a problem until you can semi link it back to real money. When money gets involved, things get funny. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the truth. And, and I mean, the thing is, back to the, I mean, you've been walking in stations, right? The whole thing with ambulation, you know, one of, you know, and all that, right? You know, obviously, which is a dead thing now, but um, the whole, you know, you know, one of the things there was, oh, and we'll have casinos. Yeah, there was a there was a thing that was going to be like, oh yeah, we're going to be we're going to be able to gamble, or we're going to be able to basically like be at a table and be able to gamble with people like like virtually face to face sort of thing, right? And that kind of yep. like that was kind of like that was one of the kind of cool draws about it, like uh, as well as sort of like literally just being able to sort of be in this virtual bar and have a drink with your with your with your corp mates with your alliance mates, right? Virtual like, strippers, I mean, all of it. We're gonna we're gonna have all of it with walking okay. stations. <laughs> Well, with the removal of uh, the captain's quarters, I think um, that is now fully gone, unless somehow it comes back in through Project Nova, of which we've still yet to see anything on. Uh, yeah, two years on. Although, almost two years although on. Although I don't know if you guys ever played uh, um, ever played the PS2 ver uh, version of Project Nova. Um, like, there was actually a bar in the PlayStation Home kind of area of the game. Like yep. it was, and it was genuinely kind of alright. Like it wasn't, and it wasn't that kind of single player experience that you have with, like you know, with the uh, captain's quarters. Like you literally walked around and saw other people, could speak to other people, you know, that kind of thing. So I just find I found it so funny how like that existed, but we weren't able to put that together in a 
you know inside mm. the client like i i find that completely yeah. crazy because it was a special it was a special part of the playstation the home app on playstation that was made specifically for the uh dust beta yeah where um uh you had to go into the e3 uh convention that was replicated in playstation home solve the clue to get access to that room then solve the game that was in that room to get the dust beta key and that's, how, that's what that was all about but it's coincidentally which is also the first way i started playing dust and then a few months later why i started playing eve so well, the first time i got um, the first time i started playing dust was because i got two beta keys from um from Christoph Tuberg, actually, like when we were when at one of the Eve London meets, and we were drinking and like you know randomly drunkenly singing Foo Fighters at some random karaoke bar, I think. I'm I'm literally watching the EVENT coverage of the tournament while watching our stream while, <laughs> while having this conversation. So. It, it, there's a bit of weirdness going on, but, but, but I, you know, I want to comment again. I mean, like they, they just brought a chart up, you know, on, you know, on the, on their big screen behind their freaking coverage desk, you know, of, of apparently, I, I think it was from what I saw the, 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 the most, well, the ships, the right? Yeah. 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 Just an outstanding job these people are doing. I can't say it enough. How like like just how well they're doing this. Fucking props to Nash and like everybody there at Event I mean, they're really doing a good job of this. Yeah, they um they literally they have should, somebody. They, they should get some Isacone watch skins or something. <laughs> the thing, the thing is, to have that road again. <laughs> the thing is, I think it's one of those things where like if you're actually like hire, like renting out a proper professional studio and getting all the equipment and all that. Like it's one of those things where like either you double down and you make sure that it's going to be absolutely fucking spot on, right? Or you don't do it at all. Like it's just one of the things. Either you double down or you don't even go into that. So I'm glad they double down because it looks fucking Let, awesome. Let's talk about the skeleton in the co in the closet real quick. Uh, my girl Rain, who's a co-host of uh, <laughs> co-host of Open Comms, she's a oh. member of EventT and she's an Alliance tournament uh, Alliance tournament commentator. She, uh -oh. lo she, she lost a special ship. <laughs> a, a very special ship. Not just a special ship. A very special ship. But they are. Uh, they want to explain the story because <laughs> I don't think I can. <laughs> oh, well, hold on. My understanding of it is is well, obviously she made a mistake. Um, she undocked the ship and decided to test it uh, to test like the magic tank that this thing has. Um, and she was doing that with Blue Melon, and apparently. Again, my limited under. You know what? I've not really asked the question. Like, like, like. Please let me know what happened because I don't really want to know what happened. <laughs> um, and apparently, somebody in the in the Keepstar decided that they were going to say, "Well, what the fuck? Let's see what the Doomsday does." And Doomsday. And boom. Uh, who would have thunk it that an Opus Luxury yacht had um, an explosive hole in it? <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear. So yeah, so um, the only thing I wanted to be on was a bit of a fly on the wall when she had to go back to CCP Logibro Bro and say, um, I'm really sorry, you, I blew up that ship you gave me just for the comments on the Alliance tournament. Uh, can I have another one, please? That would have been an interesting conversation. Yeah, apparently, uh, apparently they were not enthused. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
but you know what? I, I mean, here's the thing, right? Um, um, I don't necessarily know that I like the ISK amount that was put on that. Um, Five hundred sales. It kind of seems like it was an invented number. Um, it is pretty much. They're, not, they're not traded. They're not bought and sold. Um, you know, I, th- I think really it should have probably just been as it was. I think when it first came up, which was which was no value or or uh, unknown or whatever the heck it was. It's yeah, I mean it's priceless, but uh, you know, it, you know, really doesn't have it because it's they're not traded. I mean, these, these are ships that are used exclusively for for um, coverage of the alliance tournament. And uh, it's not, you know, it's not the same thing as, you know, owning one and being able to, you know, being able to sell it and therefore putting actual value on it. Yeah, exactly. 71 just says you're jealous because you don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> I probably would have lost it in a much dumber way. But <laughs> uh, well, there we go. But along with the uh, Alliance tournament stuff, the uh, last week or so, there has been a lot of news that's come out. A lot of news um, with CCP releasing their uh, latest development video as well. And yeah, uh, some been interesting a bunch of stuff. insights in that. Mm. Like uh, just in the development video of alone that... to start off with. What Sorry. was that? Just in the development video alone to start off with, let, let alone the other stuff coming out from like EVA Down Under and EVE, uh, Eve Northeast, that kind of thing. Yeah, we've got yeah we've got Eve down under that's going on right now. I just got back from Eve Northeast, you know, you know, uh, from last weekend. But uh, th- that development video, a lot of the things that were in there, um, well, a have have s- some of them have already hit tranquility. So I mean, yeah, th- these are not things that are currently under development. Um, some of them are. Um, the change to the the Blood Raider Satio has not only hit tranquility, but has also been defeated by by the Imperium. Already, so again, yeah. <laughs> you know. However, I, you know, I think even the comments out of there, and we don't have anybody on right now. I, I, I don't think that was, you know, that was part of that. Um, but apparently, it is more difficult now. Apparently, it is something that they actually had to kind of, you know, work at. They, uh, they had to go out on the sissy. They had to retest some new stuff. You can't, you, you can't bring the frigate menace to it anymore. Um, you know, they were actually having to tank it and and bring Lodgy, you know, that was actually having to work at it. So uh, so that's good, right? I mean, you know, you want the thing to be, to be, I don't know, uh, difficult. Yeah, you don't want to, you don't yeah. want people to be able, be able to metagame it and then just like, you know, walk all over it with, you know, something that doesn't require, you know, any degree of like, uh, you know, significant kind of risk involved. Like, you know, you want to be able to like, it's, it's that classic risk and reward kind of situation, right? So yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you want to be able to, you in order to actually get those awesome BPCs, you need to actually, you know, field something that has, you know, some decent risk attached to it. So I'm glad they've done it. Yeah, and it's certainly like defeating it with just nothing but a big swarm of punishers just made the whole thing feel a little bit cheap. Um, and the fact that they've also uh, changed the loot mechanic because beforehand it was just like a, you exploded the Soyoto, a can dropped, and anybody could fly up to the can and grab it. So what you ended up having was a bunch of people in interceptors walking into the can, completely nullified, going, oh, mine, yoink, and then yeah. running off with it. This is just waiting now, um, That's right. They're now in those um, container-style boxes now that you, you see sort of uh, from Project Discovery and uh, some of the events and things. Uh, which are big, like you, you 
you could you can only fit one of them in an actual hauler. So you you have to have a hauler that has like five, I think it's five thousand meters cubed in it. So if you're going to do it, you're going to have to put something there that can carry it and move it and that's a danger all by itself, but it means you're just not going to get a bunch of trolley people coming in because you have to control the field in order to secure the container, um, which I think is... Hauler swarm. Hauler swarm, exactly. <laughs> Bring in the haulers! But yeah, no, it's, you know, you know, it's definitely good because, you know, after having gone through that, right, I mean, I hate to say you want to be assured to come away with with the winnings of having beat it, right? I mean, but... I think they should. I mean, I think it needed to be something where it's like, look, if people are, if we're, if you have to set up the type of, uh, you know, the type of fleet concept that you do in order to defeat this thing over a multi, you know, over a couple of days, right? To come away with nothing because basically, a, you know, a swarm it's of interceptors warped. Yeah, I mean, it's just, uh, yeah, that's just shit gameplay. I just, yeah, I get I this. A lot of things. I, are kind of like I think they probably, they just like all they needed to do was really increase the size. So you know, a frigate can't grab it, but like lots of stuff are like that, where you can just, if you grab the blueprints, I mean, you get the stuff. Yeah. Now we don't know. Uh... Or at least I haven't heard in the, you know in the story on INN it didn't mention uh, what they did come away with so I'm assuming it's a Moloch. <laughs> I'm, assu- oh. I'm assuming a Moloch dropped and they got it and they just didn't say so. <laughs> and on that note, if anybody wants to sell me a Shemosh or a Dagon, uh, you know, please contact Tiberius Stargazer. Um, you know, at the, really u- like at, one, the, at the usual address. At the usual address, <laughs> you can find me on Twitter and in game. <laughs> Now, as part, you know, as, as part of that development video that came out, uh, you know, they also made mention of coming next is a Serpentis version of this. Um, mm-hmm. But Serpentis capitals already exist in the game, right? So, you know, yes, it's kind of like, you know, you know it's, well, they've come out with this new thing called the Vanguard, which is a Serpentis carrier based on the Thanatos uh, frame. With a web bonus. Yeah, that's, that's the cool thing. It's, it's got a new fighter. Um, and that fighter has a specific Serpentis weapon. Uh, I, I can't remember the name of it, but yeah, I mean, it's it's I got the, the it's it's basically got the same it's got the same uh, web bonus that you know Serpentis ships have. So, you know, yeah, it's the Vendetta. No, no, no Vendetta no. is supercar. This is a brand new one, Venom um, so fighters. Fighter. Yeah, and what's the the Vanguard? Is the uh, is the new carrier but yep. this is great because it's it's because we knew from a while ago that they were going to flesh out the uh capital line for the serpentis um they were going to have a fax they were going to have um a carrier they were going to have a dread they were going to have a super and they were going to have a titan um so now what we're missing now is the fax and but the interesting thing that's going to be for me at least anyway is because at the moment because originally you got the blueprints for the Serpentis capitals, either from the Serpentis loyalty point store, um, which very few people, unless they're willing to trade in Concord points, would get them. Or if you controlled like a level five mission runner that had that, very few people had access to. Um, so there wasn't many of these blueprints coming onto the market. But the, the problem there wasn't a much a tra- trade with the blueprints was because the... Um, the ships themselves, the material costs, ships and the sales completely flew in the face 
of how faction capital uh, faction ships were set up beforehand because faction ships the material cost of them was always the same as their t1 equivalent maybe a slight variation on it and the value of it always came from the blueprint the serpentis caps um you know the 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 vehement by itself required 20 billion isk worth of materials to build so the blueprints for them were worthless so nobody did anything with them um and it's going to be interesting to see if ccp changed that to make them in more in line with the blood raider ships and if they do change that how are they going to adjust it with people that already have these ships well, wasn't a big part of them like having the blueprint be cheap, but the uh, minerals cost a lot. But they get better insurance. Well, yeah, that was the offshoot of it. But you know, for a vehement, you insure it for six billion isk, and you get twenty-four billion isk back when it explodes. So, yeah, you kind of do. But again, that completely flies in the face of like what is the established faction ship meta, as in the material always costs as much as the T one. When you insured it, you only ever got the T1 insurance back, and the value of the ship was in the blueprint that you had to obtain to get it, and that drove the economy for people to go and get the blueprints. Um, now it's just kind of, well, I get a vehement blueprint, and I sell it for 500 mil, but I have to spend a whole ton of loyalty points in order to get it. Is it really worth it when I can actually buy something else that can get, those, uh, get more of those loyalty points out, like the implants and things? So that's why they haven't been flooding onto the market as much as you'd think they were. And you look at the the Revenant, which is the only other um, faction super capital ship out there at the moment, other than the uh, the Blood Raider and the Spentis ones. The material cost of that is exactly the same as a super, regular supercarrier, but all the value of it is in the fact that people are going to get the blueprints. So now it will make this event where you're going to go to the Soyoto worthwhile because all the values in the blueprints and not the material and building it. So that's raw isk that the people are getting from running it. And that's what people running the Blood Raider events get at the moment. But at the moment, if unless they adjust the Serpentis Capitals to correct that, it's just, what's the point? Because you're only going to get a half a bill blueprint for a vehement and maybe six bill for the, the Vanquisher. So it'd be interesting to see how CCP changed that. Yeah, I mean, I, I would. And there's gonna be, and there's gonna be more of these that are that are coming out. You know, I think they made mention of Garises. I, I think it's gonna be for pretty much every pirate faction out there, right? I mean, that, that's that right. Is yeah. the plan. They're, they're gonna slowly go and you know sort of flesh it out for every single pirate faction. Yeah. So, I'm waiting for the sisters of you, facts, that cloaks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the um, because we know from Eve Down Under, um where CCP Larrikin at his presentation at Eve Down Under in the last 24 hours um, showed off the Garista capital ships, which includes um, a Dreadnought, a Titan, um, and was it the Fax as well? And the Fax. It wasn't just showing off the, the, the visuals of it. They actually, put, they actually put down actual, you know, stats for it. Like, you know, Ooh. they showed some of the actual, you know, the, the bonuses uh, and the roll bonuses and stuff like that. I can throw that quickly up on the, uh, on the screen for everybody and, to see. So. And contrary to completely what I thought they would do, they're actually giving the, fe the variant of the Phoenix a fighter tube. So it yeah. can launch fighters. That was the crazy thing. Like <laughs> any anybody who remembers uh, Dreads having drones a long time ago is going to kind of have that little bit of uh, uh, you know a little bit of a, a smile, a little bit of glee, kind of come back because yeah, you know, a little nostalgia, a little bit of nostalgia yeah. because you'll be able to uh, you'll be able to have 
drones in the forms of awesome fighters. Um, and it's it's not just the, it's not just the uh, it's not just the dreadnought in, in actual fact. It's also the Titan. The Titan can yeah, field the Titan two. can launch too. Yeah, they can then launch heavies as well. Remember how OP it was when Dreads had. <laughs> I missed my. Uh, I had a small drone bay. Tangeko carriers. Oh my god. Oh, okay. Oh, Gecko carriers as well. Yep. But the. Um, and to go along that, it looks like the rogue drones um, at last, something for some of the drone legion people, are getting their own fighters to farm as well. And a, ship, build and a shipyard. And a shipyard. Yep. So there'll be the um, same same way that uh, you know Blood Raiders have their shipyards. Rogue Drone will have a shipyard as well. Yep. 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 But um, and and the most amazing one of them all that were revealed was the concept art for the new Angel Capital ships. Uh, they look amazing. <laughs> uh, I can I can show a few of them up. So if you want to go through each one of them slowly, sort of thing, how you kind of feel about yep, it. Yep, yep. Like let's let's start off small and kind of kind of. Uh, like, shall we go with the carrier first? Shall we go with the dreadnought first? Yeah, let's do the carrier. And then, um, I mean, the, the good thing about uh, I had this. Somebody tweeted this um, when I tweeted the picture of them. They said, "Why do the angel ships look so different from all the other faction ships?" And it's because. Uh, the Angel Cartel stole Jove technology, which is why the Makero looks so different, which is why, um, you know, all the other ships look so different in their line. It's because they stole Jove technology. And they've really kind of embraced this idea of making, like, super, super advanced-looking ships because that carrier, that looks amazing. Really I don't know where... I'm not. I'm not going to lie. Like, um, I I have watched a few sort of sci-fi kind of series before, and like, to be completely honest, to me, that kind of looks a little bit like the whole Babylon Five ball on ships like yeah 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 now they see it because uh yeah that's definitely a ball on ship right there <laughs> that looks amazing but you you see a lot of the dna from other sci-fi in there yeah. in um eve it's also and, very confessor like uh, as well yeah yeah totally um but it's going to be really interesting to see what their bonuses are because at the moment the bonuses for angel cartel ships is a speed to warp speed uh, a boost to warp speed um so if that's the case, and then it has some form of tracking or damage bonus as well, um, I can imagine that becoming a favorite for sort of, you know, the, the ISK farmers out in Nolsec, um, having that. Have a dread, have, a, have the, uh, the carry or dread sort of uh, afterburner speed bonus. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one will be applied to the Sancha, which will be the other race. Oh, oh yeah, no, the Sancha ship. They would yeah, be really yeah. unique looking ships as well. Mm-hmm. But this is the first set of really unique capital ships and probably some of the first new capital ship models since um, the faxes have come in. Yeah. Should we look at the Dread? Let's put the Dread up. Boom. Ah, that's so good. That and that really reminds me of the, uh, the Didax ship from Halo Reach. Uh, Halo as well. Mm, yeah. With the composer. That's definitely got cues and inspiration from that one. It reminds me, it looks like an oracle almost, just kind of a little bit flatter and wider. Really is that kind of same vibe. That really is a badass looking ship, man. <laughs> you know, I mean, just that whole freaking vertical, just front facing. To me, it looks almost like an elite dangerous Thargoid ship with about three quarters with, with its sides cut off. Oh, yeah, with the wings cut off on it. Yep, yep. 
It does look pretty badass, I'm not gonna lie. But again, be yeah, interested to see the bonuses. I can imagine if they set these up right, they could probably make these as ambush ships, like uh, the Macarial and the Cinnabal are now, which is, you know, hunting down, chasing other ships and moving around systems quickly. So I can imagine that that's the role that these ships will fill, is very fast and agile, um, like response ships. And yes, Aerox, this is uh, concept art at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, this is concept art that was presented by CCP Larrikin at Eve Down Under in the last 24 hours. Should we just uh, take a quick look at the uh, the Titan? Because it actually it's, it's, kind of, it's kind of funny because the uh, Titan is one of the ones that are, like people are either loving or hating. Like it's kind of strange. It's sort of polarizing. People, <laughs> people have. Uh, said that it looks somewhat crab-like which is kind of funny because yeah, considering you know what they could potentially be utilized in space for <laughs> so it's i think we designed found uh... to eat your ship <laughs> no it's I think des we found, designed uh... to eat pve i think yeah. just like bad people you know just run right into ships and like how damaged on that way <laughs> exactly <laughs> I mean, it certainly looks like, uh, you know, maybe the new flag for, ship for uh, Hard Knocks. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's hard got knocks that whole crab thing, right? <laughs> I mean, but, but this is what the great thing about these particular ships are, these angel ships, because they're not confined by, like, the major races. They, they're so radically different to everything else. They can just produce, like, a radically different design hate it or love it i think they look it looks great that thing on grid is going to look so good against the, the other capital ships the, i wonder where the, the turrets the, are going to be mounted that's what i was going to say tibbs is that looking at this on the screen right in concept art in kind of like the same dimension size as the dread and carrier I, this on the field is going to be fucking massive and completely different than anything else Yeah, it's going to look pretty insane. But, um, definitely. I mean, I mean you're going to know it. Takes... You're going to know it as soon as it comes on grid. Like, even before even looking at the, uh, the overview, you're going to see it and be like, yeah, that's a faction. That's, that's, you know, that's a, that's an Angel Titan. Like, straight away. Like... Yeah, and especially when you can compare it now to, uh, some of the other ships, uh, you just, like, oh, that's an Erebus. No, wait a minute. It's a vanquisher, so or when the Grissus ones, these will look so completely different. Uh, they're definitely going to appeal to the vanity people. Oh, no, really want one of these. I'm just, I'm kind of thinking like when you said sort of like uh, uh, about the dreadnought, like oh, that's going to be like the go-to ambush kind of ship. Like I'm just thinking like this, that's going to be like that's going to be the go-to dreadnought for wrecking crew and stuff like that. This will probably yeah, be this will probably be the go-to type speed as well. Yeah. Yeah. Fast warp speed, high agility, it should be pretty good. It gets a double bonus to uh, warp core strength too, right? I don't know whether we actually know the actual... Like, if it's... We don't know any stats yet. I mean, we we can postulate, like we can we can speculate about it, like you know, considering the the bonuses that like angel ships get in comparison to regulars. And now these are supposed to be coming by way of another one of these shipyards, yes? Correct. Yeah, in the same way. 
this is going to be some space people are going to want to move into. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, this is something for like the health of Eve um, that I've always been a very big proponent of in the, the various regions um, with the exception of being the drones, which, you know, had very different NPCs from everywhere else. Um, didn't have a brilliant enough to kind of differentiate them. You know, I mean, you go and shoot a rat, you might get like a variant on a faction module that gets dropped, but uh, which will have its, yeah, its own unique thing. But is that enough for a large group to go and put their flag in a bit of space and going, hey, we're going to set up here because we're going to go do this? Um, no, I don't think it is. But with this, like with completely unique rewards and valuable rewards uh, that people as a group have to run together to kill um, would make the space a lot more enviable and a lot more, con uh, you know, contestable. So you will probably see people trying to get hold of space to get access to these ships and controlling the supply of them, because a group that can control the supply of these ships could make a killing. They really could, because like you said, this is, if nothing else, right, given the, you know, given the designs of these ships and how different they are from, from basically everything else out there, uh, you know, this isn't just a skin change on an existing ship, right? Um, those vanity players out there that really like flying stuff that is completely different from everybody else, uh, they will pay money. Yep. Absolutely. Pay a lot of money. But uh, moving on, was there anything else in that, uh, you know, in that, you know, from that development video? I mean, you know, there was stuff with version, you know, you know V5, version 5, uh, you know, the shaders, you know, which looks cool. Um, they, uh, they were going to be, instead of having, like, different teams work on ship and module balance, they were going to have a dedicated team and hopefully maybe finish Tier side that they started a while ago. Yeah, and that's that's a great move for CCP as well, um, because it's it's needed is so needed because we remember uh, 2012 when they started doing the balancing um how good it was uh, just to get every ship into its own niche and that that whole process is far from finished and it needs a team to constantly do it well that's just it i mean we, we know that balance is one of those things that that it's just a, it's a, it's a forever process. It's never done because by the time you've balanced some things and the game has kind of changed because of the balance changes that you've made, things become unbalanced again and you've got to go back through. Welcome to MMOs. Exactly. You know, especially you know, other game companies don't really have this problem because their shit doesn't last more than a year or two. Yeah, and you look at some other MMOs, uh, the way they do things. Um, you know, uh, I think World of Warcraft is like the perfect example of that sort of thing. They'll produce a bit of content, and then people go and farm that content. And then they'll go, oh, okay, well, now we'll produce another bit of content. And then everybody goes and does that instead. And nobody does the original stuff because, you know, it's it's unbalanced materials is they no longer have any worth because it's all about the next more powerful thing the next more powerful gear um where eve can't function like that because on the basis of the fact that every ship has a role every ship has a purpose um and in order to keep the eve economy going as well fluidly everything needs to be at least profitable even slightly at some point or another um in order to keep everybody doing what they're doing 
yep exactly so yeah i think i think the uh the dedicated team idea is is, is good i mean you know, we'll see how it plays out right i mean because you know, obviously the idea of a dedicated team sounds great we'll see how it plays out in you know Hopefully, they're going to be on top of it. We're going to see faster iteration and and movement on the balancing than what we have in the past. But definitely going to take at least a month or two because they said they weren't going to make any major balance changes before the end of the AT. I remember last year, I think yep. they introduced uh, some of that was it the T3Ds. They they did something about halfway through, and we saw those changes in the last couple of weekends. Now, one of the things they did mention in that in that development video is coming in August is changes to void bombs. Yeah, they did say that they were going to iterate upon the uh, the defense uh, systems of uh, Citadel, so they are going to be changing yep. void bombs. Um, well, yeah, and I was confused, by, uh, you know, on the, you know, in you know, in that video when they said changes to void bombs because I know that Seagull in her in her video postcard, uh, you know, a few weeks ago mentioned uh, mentioned the stuff about about uh, void bombs from from structures, right? When they said changes to void bombs in this video, did they mean regular void bombs or did they mean the structures thing again? They meant the structures thing because essentially what happens is if you're trying to take a fight on the uh, on a on a grid with the citadel like, you know, you get void bombed to crap and the only situation yeah. where um, you can fight on that is whether you, is if you bring a comp or bring a, uh, a fleet comp that actually can fight capitalist pretty much, and that limits your options significantly. Oh yeah. So it's essentially, basically yeah. materials. Yeah, essentially, it's materials. Like, you well, know, isn't everything just materials? <laughs> isn't <the answer laughs> everything materials? Well, if you speak to Naiden, that's all there is: materials. <laughs> materials online. Remember when it was Ishtar's online? Yeah. Yep. 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 But at the moment, they are pretty much the only ships you can put a really decent passive tank on, so you don't have to worry about active modules on that, and can fire gunless, um, and the guns will still hit. Because you can't, like the other capitalist guns are missiles, um, but you can't use missiles against the Citadel because of the point defense kills them. So it literally means the only ship you can fly is something with projectile weaponry, and that's not really great uh, from a game balance point of view. Um, because it leads to just every, as you said, materials online. <laughs> now, speaking of guns, another thing in that development video um, was what was some changes that they're making to guns. Um, you know, they showed the lasers, but they also showed hybrids and and uh, you know, the artillery well. and stuff. Yeah. But, you know, where it's like the difference between what it looks like when these guns are going to fire when you've got you know pulse versus beam and auto cannons versus artillery some of that was i'm not a big fan of being zoomed in on a ship but apparently like it's going to look completely freaking different not just from from your guns firing but also the way they strike a target yeah yeah it's yeah. going to look pretty awesome and to to from a kind of uh video like an e video maker kind of sort of uh uh, perspective like I'm all for that like really really definitely all for that because like anything to make the Eve experience look better like when you actually make a video um, especially if you're uh, you know using uh, control of nine to sort of get rid of all the all the overlay and stuff like that like oh, yeah it, it just it adds a lot it adds a hell of a yeah. lot I will say this, and it, yeah, it's basically based on Roscoe's comment out there. Seriously, though, does anyone actually actually leave potato mode? Um, on occasion, that is yeah. one of the weird things. On occasion, right? You know, but but 
I know that they put in these new sons. I undocked yesterday on 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 one of my on one of my characters that I had in like super potato like, like super you know like big fleet <laughs> potato mode. Okay. And, and I know that they've redone these suns, and the suns look magic. I literally had an orange disc in the sky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you're on super potato mode and you go to the sun, yeah, they look god awful. <laughs> I mean, it was just an orange disc, and like there was nothing to it, just an orange circle in the sky. Oh, uh, that's it. And I, I mean, I'm one of the few people probably that, that likes to play the game. Um, with as high graphics as I possibly can every time they introduce something a little piece of me dies because I know I have to go and buy my new computer because in the last couple of years it's even struggling with EVE uh, amazingly like some of the graphical updates in the last year have been so good but also at the same time so processor intensive um, yeah it's like oh no the EVE is no longer the game that runs on a cheap computer anymore <laughs> you have to start upgrading again it was like really well with just memory and everything. Like you can see that with multiplexing, it's definitely possible to run you know ten plus accounts on one you know pretty high end computer. But on low graphics, you get, still get decent frame rate. Mm -hmm. So, you, so, like so Tim, you haven't got your i seven seventy seven hundred K with a uh, dual ten eighty ties and uh, you know water cooled and everything like that. Like what are you doing, man? Like honestly, what what are you talking about? <laughs> I literally have no idea what you just said there. <laughs> I, I, just, I just went super I'm, geek mode right there. I'm, I'm getting old, McLeod. I have no idea. Like, I just want to plug in the computer for the damn thing to work. <laughs> which, which one from Tesco's do I have to buy? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> do they sell that at Tesco? <laughs> they don't, but it was a bit facetious. <laughs> Now, was there uh, was there anything else in that pro uh, or in that I wouldn't say project discovery, but in that uh, development video that uh, there was a lot in there about art. There was a lot yeah, in yeah. there. Uh, you know, you know, we already covered the. Yeah, we the, did. A, there was a fair amount. There was a fair amount. There was, on a on a little side note on um, what CCP is doing in respect of uh, producing these videos and things, I love them. They're great because it's it's. It's always something great to have a video that comes out and provides a little bit of momentum and just say, hey, look at all the things we're working on. I mean, you know, it might not come in the next update, but, you know, it might come down the line. It's great to see it. Um, but also something that they have been doing a lot recently is just like literally a couple of devs are logging on and just streaming Eve and messing around with Eve and just, you know, interacting with the community and things like that, a la Paradox Interactive uh, Frontier Developments. You know, they're just getting on and they're streaming and it's great. And they've they've had hundreds of people watching their streams and like asking them questions. Oh, how does this mechanic work? And how does that mechanic work? And they're like, oh, yeah, we do this and do that. Why did you change this? Oh, we changed that because of X, Y, Z reason. And it's it's really great to see the devs doing this. And I really hope that they carry on doing it. They did it for Project Discovery quite recently, just again to prove that we're not bad, they're just as bad as us as well, running the thing that they've decided. That, that was pretty funny when they were doing their project discovery thing because you're sitting there and he's like, you know, he's failing as much as anybody else. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, there's plenty here, there's plenty here. Oh wait, I found completely. <laughs> yeah, you're not gonna learn how to do project discovery by watching the people who built project discovery. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> 
Well, you know, and speaking of that, uh, Tibbs, I think you wanted to comment about Project Discovery, and, and I, I think it was the agency. Were, were those? The... Uh, so yeah, I mean, well, Project Discovery, um, I've been playing the hell out of a lot, mainly because NC Doct usually is nicknamed NC Doct for good reason. Um, so we've been, I've been playing uh, uh, Project Discovery quite a lot to grind my way up to get that Marshall, of which that was one thing that was actually shown off on the video was the uh, concept art for the Marshall, which looks amazing. <laughs> it looks like some like cool shark type thing. But um, there was a dev blog put out. I say dev blog, it wasn't actually a dev blog, but there was a blog put out by MMO, which is the company that um, helps run the servers that do project discovery and they're the people that basically put this whole thing together they're the ones that came to ccp and said hey you know what we can do citizen science through computer games will you be up for it and ccp was like yes we'll do it and project discovery for the last two years is the result of that and they released the first stats um in the first two weeks of project discovery being live 13.2 million classifications were done by CCB players. 13.2 million in less than two weeks, which is an incredible amount. Normally, it would have taken them months to get that number of classifications done. I mean, but I, these I players, once years. again, like, yeah, uh, like I think it was more than the entirety of all the classifications from Project Discovery the year before in two weeks. Um, what can I say? We uh, love finding talking, planets. Yeah, like a million a day. It's 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 really great to see that the community's been so engaged in in with this project, and clearly CCP have done something right as well, uh, because you get the skins for every level that you go, and once you get above twenty five, you get two skins for every level. Then you get the reports. Uh, one guy, Uriel, um, who's a bit of a lore hound, managed to grind through 250 levels of Project Discovery in 11 days. 250 levels, like oh, on on one character? On one character. What the? <laughs> he must just be staring at star luminosity data all day long. Pretty much, uh, because like it, for me, it takes me like 15 to 20 minutes to do a level. And they get harder as they go up. But yeah, he did it in 11 days. He got the specs. He put the specs on. And immediately discovered there's a bug with the specs in the fact that they sculpt your face and don't retain their shape, <laughs> uh, which is quite funny. But um, but it, it goes to show um, just how engaged EVE players get with this sort of stuff. Um, uh, but then... Uh, I do have to wonder, though. I do have to wonder how many of those 13.2... Uh, How many uh, of them 30. are 30.2 classification. It's all no terms. <laughs> yeah, it's all no yeah I, I was, I was going to try and get a word in edgewise about this because it also reminds me of back when we were uh, studying cells for project discovery and a lot of players were just working, oh, that's cytoplasm. Yeah, cytoplasm, cytoplasm. It's not cytoplasm. And you're like, no, it's not cytoplasm. <laughs> but I think it, a good thing with that data is that they can tell immediately because they they don't just weigh it against um like the whole all the data they can weigh individually like they yep. can who who they can give a weight to someone a one particular person's uh, input like whether is it's high or not so they can immediately filter out what is the nonsense and what is the good stuff 
um, from it as well. That's really important, though. That is really important because that basically means that, like, you know, regardless of what they actually how they present it to players it's not going to get game to the point where it's actually just redundant data that you know they can't actually do anything with which is good yeah i i, I do wish there were better tools for project discovery uh i mean they have a detrending tool uh because sometimes the changes in luminosity are because of the star itself but it'd be nice to actually have plotted um five point 20 point uh 50 point moving averages kind of like the moving averages you have for uh the price plots in the in-game market you guys use the tools i just pretty much hit no transit all the time <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually try to analyze the data strangely enough I try to do that too, but like in the, in situations where I'm literally like, I don't see a single thing, so I hit no transit, and it's like, yeah, you missed out these. It's like, what? How is that even what? there? Yeah, exactly. You just look at it, you go, nah. Yeah, that's, that's happened to me a couple possible. of times. Yeah, it's like you failed, and then they show 20 transits up there, and you're like, yeah, I was never going to find that. No matter how much effort <laughs> I put into that one, I was never going to find that. But also, um, certainly in the early part of it, a lot of the samples, the control samples they were giving, were actually broken as well. Um, I wondered like somewhere. I wondered about that. Yeah, no. If you went to, because um, there's a pro project discovery subreddit, and you looked at it, and there were people oh. reporting broken. I don't read it, <laughs> but there were people reporting uh, slides that were broken and providing the number and showing the picture and what they put and what the result came up of. And CCP went in and actually like adjusted a lot of them because they went and actually had somebody look at them. I don't know why they were wrong in the first place. They shouldn't have never been wrong in the first place. They shouldn't have been wrong in the first place essentially um but they went back in they adjusted them all so now it's it's far less frustratingly difficult to get a reasonable accuracy rating now it's an interesting setup from the bash we have the, the bastion up versus test alliance and uh it's a, an interesting bastion setup Geddon, guardian stratio stratius prophecy prophecy pontifex pontifex vexor vexor I mean, that looks pretty much like a drone setup. It's yeah, it's like the Stratioses over Stars or Vexers. I mean, they do, I think they have bigger um, drone bay. They get more flights, but I don't know. The Guardian, uh, I don't know what it would cap with. It's probably maybe the Armageddon, because I do believe they changed the rules so each ship can bring uh, a single cap transfer. So maybe they're going to try and keep it up with a normal hard drop, or it's just going to be a medium drop fit. And then test. I flew with them a lot this year as part of their AT team. They got a standard uh, TIE-FI setup, which looks pretty, pretty good. It's pretty interesting because it does look like a fairly high DPS setup versus a uh, you know pretty tanky setup. But uh, has anybody been doing any of this agency stuff? Uh, I tried a little bit of it, but I'm a little underwhelmed by the um, login rewards. That's the thing, really. Like, when it comes to sort of rewards, like, I mean, it's kind of nice to do certain things, like, um, but, like, the rewards have to be kind of there for people to be incentivized to go and do it, you know? Yeah. Additionally, additionally, when I did it, um, it counted the fact that I had completed a combat-oriented cosmic signature, but it didn't count the fact that I ran it in a strategic cruiser. So at least that part of it seems to be broken. 
Ooh. It reminds me very much of the encounters kind of stuff, right? Like the, oh, you know, you've gone and killed a rat, congratulations. You know, you've gone and done this, congratulations. You know, it reminds reminds me very much like that. Like, and I never really got into the, the whole encounters thing. I just kind of, I saw it very much in the sort of sense of like achievements in some games where you just like, you just play the game and if you get an achievement, that's nice, fair enough. But like, you just carry on regardless. Yeah, it's nice if, uh... It's nice if you're already doing these sorts of things anyway, uh, yeah. but I'm not logging in, especially for the agency. Exactly, and to be fair, the, the only sort of fairly newish sort of PvE content that I ever actually took the time to go and do was actually the the that kind of the the little rogue dro rogue drone swarm kind of things. Like I, I don't know whether you kind of did any of that, Tibbs or Dirk. Like, uh... mm, I mean. I have, to, I have the the warp to site ones yeah, uh, yeah. Like, that we have had with the warp, uh, like the blood raider ones, uh, the crimson harvest, and, and things like that. I don't. I, I'm going to be a little bit controversial probably with this, but I didn't enjoy. I don't enjoy them as much as I enjoyed the shadow of the serpent event. And I think because it for me it's just like go black thing get loot come back and so many people run them anyway the loot essentially becomes worthless so i tried the purity of the throne one for a while got a bunch of skins out of that and then i bought the remaining skins that i needed for very very cheap and so it never really engaged me with that but the shadow of the serpent event when they had that there was like a nice shiny blueprint sitting at the end of that with a really long 80 hour trail which did get me engaged, it did get me going and doing it and running it. And this could have had the potential to do that. Uh, the agency could have the potential to do that. There's a lot of the DNA from the Shadow of the Serpent event in there, but the reward's not there anymore. So there isn't something. The agency, okay, so what we're seeing right now, the agency is basically a, their vehicle now for doing multiple things, right? Um, what we're seeing right now yeah. is the introduction to the agency. However, this, this runs, I think, until August 8th. And then apparently there's another one that's coming in in conjunction. You know, it's going to change. Uh, it's still going to be related to the agency because that's their vehicle now for providing this kind of event content. Um, but there's going to be another one that's tied into the, the Alliance tournament. And these things are going to run kind of like for one to two weeks at a time and maybe then go away for a little bit and then come back as something else. Okay, so maybe unlike the Shadow of the Serpent event where it was just this big, fat, juicy T-bone steak sitting at the end of it, All right, it's I'm, a more continuous thing. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at the agency window right now. The current event ends in two days, 18 hours. So it's going to be an umbrella for all the various different events. But even so, like, you know... The, that's one of the other kind of things you have to kind of wonder is like, is this content for uh, like, you know, null seckers? Is this more content for sort of like low seckers and high seckers in that kind of sense? Because like, you know, as you said, like you enjoyed some of the other events to like uh, uh, a lot more because there was a lot a larger prize at the end of it in comparison Ooh. to other ones so it's kind of like you know is that is that more of a something that's orient like you know oriented towards null seckers towards 
you know end level kind of pve content sort of thing or you know is this the one that's like kind of more orientated towards like low seconds and high seconds everybody yeah i yeah i can see what you mean there because when you're in low sec there's definitely a whole bunch of things at uh, no sec there's definitely like a whole bunch of things you can do there's the dd sites that pay out really well there's the wrestling that pays out pretty consistently um there's good mining and things so there's definitely a lot of things and the data and relic sites generally tend to be good unless you're living drones in which case they're kind of garbage but um everywhere else in the world you know this pretty good and they should always be the benchmark for like levels of income in eve and i think you're probably right in the fact that having this event it has to be as inclusive as possible for everybody so the route yeah, they have to be able to be completed everywhere. Um, so I guess my real question would be, off the back of that, is, okay, maybe it doesn't engage null seconds as much, so would it engage uh, low seconds and high seconds more to log in and get involved in this thing? And does it... And my, my biggest gripe, probably, with the event is it feeds into solo play more than building interactions with other people. I actually, I really agree with that. Like, it, yeah, I mean, when it comes to EVE, solo is not the way that you kind of do it. Like, this game comes alive when you actually have friends, when you make friends, when you, you know, join up with other people to do certain things. So, yeah, I, I completely agree with you, Tibbs, there. Yeah. Because, like, the Shadow of the Serpent event, if you got a gang of your buddies around and you ran around your space in Nullsec, you could grind out that event super quick like super super quick if you did it on your own it took forever um and this here uh but it so it in the the very mechanics of it um produced that so it, it brings an interesting question um because i'm seeing in the twitch chat that people are saying uh solo <laughs> is best and solo needs more content so does he even need more con solo content I feel like so, like, because you need a lot of, you can play things solo, but you can also do some things with the alts, and that really offsets like the need to have people to do things with. Because I think there are probably very few things, maybe outside of PvP, that it is more efficient to do things with friends than it is to do things with alts and just keep all the money for yourself. That's a very good point. Like, I, I do remember. The... Sorry, go for it. Well, no, I was just saying, you know, you know, that's kind of the weird balance problem that they have, right? Is that if you create something that is truly engaging on the solo level, how does it how, how does it scale, right? Or if you create something that is truly engaging on the on the kind of you know work with others sort of thing, uh, you know, how does that you know how does that scale back to the individual who's like you know now just like you know running it at a super you know super high level of efficiency and like the biggest ships possible and and all that they've always got this kind of weird balance thing that's going on and it's one of the things that has led to you know apparently you know there's a problem with uh, you know super capitals ratting and shit. No, there's no problem with that. <laughs> <laughs> no, no problem here. Move along. <laughs> but uh, this this weren't the ticks you were looking for. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I do want to move on to, uh, you know, I do want to move on here because, you know, we are you yeah, know, yeah. kind of kind of coming up on time. And one of the things that I wanted to discuss today, look, I invited Iron Bank to come on today, but he was he was working. There's, everybody knows that the price of Plex is rising out there, right? Uh, and it's been rising quite heavily, um, really since 
the announcement that they were going to do the Plex split. But on top of that, there has been discussion out there that that there's Plex manipulation going on, uh, that people are are actively trying to manipulate the Plex market in order to drive prices higher. Um, and he was one of the ones who was publicly commenting about this, both in Reddit and and, you know, and in and on Twitter. Um, he couldn't come on, but Jeronica is here, and he kind of knows some of what's you know some of what's going on. And I do have some comments from Iron Bank that he was the, that he gave me in writing. Um, but it does appear that there, well, at least at least from what he's saying, okay, there is, let's call it a cabal, there is a group of people out there with trillions in their wallets who are working to, who are working to attack Plex, basically, push it so high that CCP has to take notice, that it's basically a big FU to CCP that this is what they're doing. Jeronica, what do you know about this, this effort? Um, so what I've been told is all down the grapevine. So uh, what you have from Iron Bank directly will be more accurate. But uh, for the past about over a month now, I've been hearing that uh, some people are trying to raise the flex price because they're pretty unhappy with the way that Eve is. So the idea is you would drive it up enough to get the lower level players who can't afford a two bill a month plex to uh, kind of drop out and that'll wake up CCP's eyes. You know, at least that's what I've been um, hearing anyway. And you know, and people who own plex, okay, might be happy with the fact of plex is rising because you know if plex rises and you you know you're sitting on a fat stack of plex, then you know it, it you know it's good. You know, but the problem is, right, is that is that uh, uh, for the health of the game, let's say, you know, super high plex is not necessarily a good thing. Uh, number one, for CCP, it means that uh, uh, fewer plex need to be purchased by those that are out there who actually buy it for real money to trade for ISK, because it's not like everything else is going up in value in the game. Nope. Um you know, but, but apparently, you know, I said, what are the goals here? And he said, you know, 10 million perplex or 5 billion for 500. Uh, basically, break the economy of Eve. Well, the funny thing is, like, with the price of plex, if, like, if the price of plex goes up and up and up, it actually has a kind of almost, uh, like, uh, like, inverse kind of thing. Because, you know, if... Because, you know, CCP aren't going to change the, the cost of plex you know, you buying it, you know, using real currency. So it, essentially what that means is if Plex goes up, goes up, when you buy Plex, you get more risk back. So it almost in effect, you start getting a situation where you get start things start dropping in price, and, like other than obviously and, other than Plex. And that's the thing, I think, that, that's the thing that like boggles my mind about the whole thing, because I've quite frequently and and for a long time I've I, I've always subscribed to the idea that I will never really I, I won't buy Plex. I have done it a couple of times because I've wanted to get the shiny thing, but I won't buy Plex to get Isk in game quickly. But now I'm kind of even now I'm starting to get to the point where I'm thinking, well, wait a minute. If I do that extra hour of work and I can go and buy my Plex for my extra hour. And not have to grind. And not have to basically i don't have to grind for however long it takes me to get one and a half billion isk 
to get a 100 and a half billion ISK. And it's, I'm just wondering at which point, and, and it will be this, the players, the general consensus of the players that decides this, at what will be the level it is where people just sit there and start going, ah, sorry, I'm not going to go grind for ISK, I'm just going to buy some Plex. And then they'll go and buy it, and then the price will level out and it will stay at that level. And it will go up and down depending on the number of people that are buying it. And the whole idea that people are manipulating it, it's fine because the, the I can get it because Plex has now become the reserve currency for Eve. People are storing their Plex um, because it's a nice place to keep the cash because it will always go up in value because ISK has always been pumped into the game. Um, but there will come a point where the Eve players sit there and go, I am not going to go and rap for five hours to make whatever amount of risk. I'm just going to like go and buy my Plex and here's my ship that I need. Off I go. And that's it. So I find the whole concept, there's definitely people manipulating it because it's Eve. People manipulate the markets to make profits. You know, I've got like 100 billion ISK in Plex at the moment as well. But... I think the whole idea that people will eventually break the economy is just a bit obscene, to be honest. Well, I don't think it's so much about breaking the economy. And I want to get to a comment. Well, I'm going to get to a comment that Gollum made out there. But um, I don't think it's so much about breaking the economy. I think it's it, w- it would be very difficult to break the economy, right? I, I think it's more along the lines of... Um, Look, we've got a number of wealthy people in this game. But more than that, we've got a number of people who've been playing for years who have, you know reasonable amounts of wealth let's not say crazy amounts of wealth but reasonable amounts of wealth to where they can sustain you know even if they are plexing or whatever um you know even higher prices for these things right but the whole attraction of new people to the game right then it becomes a little more difficult because they're walking into a situation where this one thing is is you know could potentially become out of reach for them you know not to say that people have a right to plex their accounts they do not right it's not some basic human right that you know that you should be able to play to pay um you know but it does create a bit of a hurdle in that regard for kind of the attraction of you know of new players but i want to get back to what Gollum said here that is the logic is wrong that higher plex leads to lower isk prices if you get more isk for plex then you have more isk and are willing to pay more isk for stuff okay except for the fact of that's not actually how it works in eve what we have seen is the only thing that truly rises over time in this game is plex Okay, uh, and now and now with the whole skill injectors, extractors thing, that's all tied to the whole RMT side of things. Everything else, everything else remains just as cheap as it ever was. And to, to be fair, to, cheaper, to be fair, the other kind of aspect of that uh, of that comment is like, since when has it have you been like totally fine with paying, you know, an, an absolute shit ton more risk for exactly the same thing? Like, you know, generally people tend to look for somewhat decent kind of a, a decent price for something like. I'm not going to go to Jitter and pay, like, I don't know, like, you know, three billion for a thorax if, you know, it, just because I've got a whole ton of money, you know, mm. obviously not. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to find a fairly decent price for a fairly reasonable price. It doesn't mean that, like, you know, in my sort of staging center system, if I need a thorax, I'm going to go pay three bill for a thorax that's next door. Yeah, I might just go think, I might think, oh, well, I'll just go buy it in Jitter and, you know, have it shipped over in a day. Like, I mean, it doesn't, you know, I don't see the kind of the logic of, 
oh, I have a shit ton more risk. I'll just throw money at the at the problem. And, and you're right when I don't need to. You know? You're right in that fact as well. In the fact that material, the material, like ships and modules, their prices is not dictated by the amount of risk sloshing around in the game. They're dictated entirely by the supply of the materials to make them. And, and it's 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 um, availability versus desirability, right? It's it's the amount of pe- it's the Absolutely. amount available uh, uh, versus the amount of people who want to actually buy it. It's not the it's not technically the amount of risk that's in the actual system. Now, you know, uh, you know, somebody out there said, "I'm gonna see uh, where the heck is it." Uh, well, they mentioned speculation. Look. This is speculation, right? You know, I have no idea if if what Iron Bank is saying, you know, is is actually happening, right? Um, there are people who are making the claim at a time when Plex is is moving at a rate higher than than what is than what is typical for the game. Okay, now we've had other periods like this in the past. You go back to 2013, 2014. Um, where where there were things that happened, you know, changes to the game that that all of a sudden Plex, you know, you know, you affect Plex. They put in new demand drivers for Plex. You know, uh, you know when they introduced multi-character training and all of these other things, um, you know, th- that caused kind of like the worth of Plex to basically you know rise on its own because now it was just more valuable. And also, obviously, just you know, just the incomes of the game going up and and, and things like that. I have no idea if these things are true, but what I do really question, and I've questioned it since. Dr. E left and uh, because he was he was somebody that was at least publicly acknowledging that the stability in the rate of increase was something that they wanted to watch. And I do wonder whether or not they get concerned over times like this when it's not just about let's call it a stable price increase, but you actually have spikes. And then if somebody is in fact trying to manipulate it, what is CCP doing on the other side? Because just running a sale doesn't really, doesn't really offset some of that stuff. No, absolutely not. And I know some Plex traders and, you know, one particular guy that has several trillion ISK in Plex and he's, you know, he just buys low, sell high. That's it. So he's loving it at the moment, the way the prices are going up, because he's making hundreds of billions of this off the back of it. But it's... Are people manipulating it? Sure, of course they are. They're pouring all... But I think we're all manipulating it because it's all so much easier just to pour all of our ISK into Plex at the moment. And that's... But it's that's been it. like that. I mean, you know, from the time Plex was 300 million ISK, you know, for... You know, for back in the old days of Plex, right, you know, to, to you know, when it went to 600, it was like people were screaming, you know, and, you know, at 700 million and at 800 million and, oh, my God, it's going to hit a billion, right? I mean, you know, and, and again, we're talking in the old Plex terms here, you know, you know, not, you know, not this, not this microplex stuff, um, you know. This has always been the thing. I mean, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that look, there is unlimited ISK faucets that the you know the, that are in this game. All, all it all it demands is you know you go out there and you know do your thing to you know grind your ISK and in aggregate, those faucets are what they are. Whereas with Plex, it, it require it, it technically requires somebody out there to reach into their real world wallet in order to create these things. Yep. So the, the, we've the, always had this thing where, you know, look, there is excess ISK in this game, and 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 what is the safe harbor for excess ISK? Plex. Plex. The, the funny thing is, like, I I kind of I, I always kind of look at this in sort of a sense of like you know, 
what kind of example like what, what would this be in sort of an, an example in the real world kind of thing maybe sort of you know people gold. putting their money into gold kind of thing um but i always yep. kind of think to myself like you know is there is this like a is this a like a plex bubble kind of thing and if so i mean is it going to burst in any way shape or form and i kind of think to myself like to be completely honest like e even going back to the old kind of plex rather than the microplex where you have 500 plex being you know what we old kind of guys would consider to be a, a you know a one normal plex like i i remember when you know that that one plex was like you know back in the what like 350 400 mil kind of well, uh, days like i mean it, it is kind of like slowly going up so i have to kind of wonder like is would there is there ever going to be a burst to the uh, to the plex bubble or is it just going to keep on slowly creeping up as long as people keep grinding isk and pumping isk into the economies that's all that's going to happen like they've introduced a lot more like drains for plex and more people are playing the game so more people want to buy plex but i don't know if the source of people actually buying plex has gone significantly up i guess it's just uh it's I think it, I think maybe it will get to a point where it's the there's the equilibrium of is it just worth is it worth it just you know going in and like as as you said Tiv earlier like you know doing that extra hour of work so you can go and spend that hour that you get from you know from your employer uh, and to you know throw into the game in order to get the plex in order to get the isk rather than you know spending the hours to grind the the plex or grind the isk yes. that you need. So it's gonna, there's that kind of that equilibrium point where it's actually more worthwhile to do something other than grinding isk to get isk. Right, which is which is true for those of us you want to say those with jobs and discretionary income, right? Yeah. Uh, now, you know, a, a college student doesn't necessarily have that same thing. You know, somebody who's unemployed doesn't necessarily have that same thing. If you're living in a village in Slovenia or something, maybe you know, it's like you know, maybe you're the grinder who's generating the ist to buy the plex from somebody else, right? I mean, mm. and nothing against Slovenia. You know, the first lady I think was from there or whatever, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there'll always be that difference. Um, but at the end of the day, I think being being subbed with Plex doesn't have quite the same connotations it did before, because if you run out of time, you just become an alpha again, and you can still go out and grind it. You know? In an alpha ship? I mean, come on. Yeah, yeah, I know you and I cry. Can we get into a drink, man? But that, but there's kind no of evidence. Are. But to be honest, I think, and this is my personal opinion, it's, it's not really anything else. I think if you're honestly just playing this game to grind for ISK and nothing else, to pay for your Plex, to pay the, play this game, just seems like the most bizarre concept to me. Sub to the game, earn your ISK, keep your ISK, invest it in Plex. <laughs> you know, so. no, uh, you know, and, and again, this is like the same conversation we've been having since 500 million is clicks back in the day, you know, um, you know, where it's like, look, if the only reason you're playing is so that you can make the next payment on being able to play again, you're doing something really wrong. It's like there's a spiral there that you need to kind of get out of in some way, shape or form. 
But yeah, so yeah, you know, I will come back to look. If there is manipulation, look, I don't like the idea of manipulating their real money trading market. Okay, you know, um, um, mainly because I think that there are other issues involved here that come with player retention and things like that. That there are people out there who who are willing to grind in order to. But but you reach a point where I mean, Eve has always been a second job. Okay, like you know, like, it went from you know being a hobby to a second job a long time ago. I think. Um, but I do think that this is something that CCP needs to needs to be wary of. I think that that um, Dr. E had it right back when he was concerned about price stability, not how high Plex would ultimately go. And Dr. E was wrong on a number of things, like when he would compare things to the Chinese server and what the prices were over there, because that's a completely oh, yeah, real, yeah. that's a completely real money trading fiasco over there. But yeah, whatever, it's the Chinese server. Yeah, there was a lot of a lot of uh, you know various different factors that you you couldn't compare one of the other, one against the other at all like it was just there's no comparison to be made in any way shape or form but i do kind of get where well, I, I do kind of think that uh the whole idea of like price stability and inflation stability is a very important thing to kind of like keep an eye on and make sure that it stays somewhat in check um do you, do you, um but you guys like do you do you guys want to carry on this topic or do shall we uh, should we discuss some in-game kind of activities that have been going on well, for the last you, 15 years you know years what i thought so? yeah you know what i thought um um because we've got a couple of you guys here who know something about it somebody linked it a little while ago uh well, actually like closer to the beginning of the show but there was a little bit of a battle that took place today and uh some apparently a titan and some fax machines were, were don't talk to me about this i don't know i don't I, think, la, 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 la. I, I actually didn't even want to start on this topic like i i was <laughs> I, I had other things lined up before this like but if you want to jump into this topic i'm totally fine with it a titan and 33 force auxiliaries were lost <laughs> Oh Jesus! So well, can somebody well, explain that? I mean, do we do we want to put, just sort of play the video just up on the screen while we're talking about this? Um, we can try. Hang on, like uh, I'll see if I can find it. Yeah, but like I've got, I've quickly got the uh, the uh, battle uh, report up on the actually on the screen at the moment from Vestuve. Uh, it happened in Vestuve, which is a low sex system. Crap, where is it? Like it's in. Uh, I don't even really care, but. Yeah, some system in low sec that you couldn't bubble. Placid. Yeah, our oh, Placid, that's the one, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so what exactly happened here? How did this begin? I mean, right. yeah. it, it kind of happened because certain people saw certain things happening over the course of a few days. And as is always the vestige in in eve there's always going to be that one person right there's always going to be that one person that guy, that guy who doesn't that align guy. that guy who's late that guy who's whatever right so you know the the it was basically done on the assumption that there's going to be one of those guys and we caught I, it seems as though you know snu uh, snuffed out and uh in it caught that one guy from nc Hey McLeod, you need to get Project Mania off the NC oh, and, side and, and, Project and the initiative. Mm. Well, you know, just a hint. <laughs> well, we just we just jumped up on it. We just jumped on it. You know, whatever. <laughs> so so it, it turns out that um, like I I I was just kind of getting stuff all ready for lunch when there were pings coming in. I was like, eh, whatever. It's probably going to be nothing. Come back. Turn out it's like. 
this this whole thing. Um, so NC was moving a whole bunch of uh, supers and titans around, and one of them got separated and bounced off a gate, um, and then got dread bombed by a hundred and a hundred dreads. Uh, I'm not entirely certain how many, but yeah, fair, fair, a fair collection of dreads. A fair collection of dreads. Um, basically, before anybody could turn around and come back and walk back to that Erebus, it was already dead. Like, and Fax Force Auxiliaries were landing on grid um, to face 80 to 100 dreadnoughts and just going, well, this is fun. And exploding immediately upon landing. If you jumped, you're dead. <laughs> it, it was very much a case of like it was dead, bef- uh, and pretty much as the first force auxiliary landed to sort of try and wrap it up, and then like just more and more force auxiliaries landed just repeatedly and just kept on getting almost instant, like close to instant, but all, but like yeah, <laughs> it was a bit of a bloodbath. My my face was palmed quite hard at that I, moment. I can imagine. So, yeah. I like. I mean, it, situations were reversed. Mine would be too. <laughs> but you know what? All, all due respect to um, uh, Snuff Snuffbox and Initiative uh, Snuffed Out Initiative for um, setting this up because it was perfectly. It was out of all the traps I've seen with the dread bombs done. Um, it was so well executed um, because the first bunch of dreadnoughts came in, killed the titans. As soon as like, reinforcement arrived, more dreadnoughts landed on grid and started killing all the stuff that was landing on grid. It was it was very very well done. It was very very well executed, and all the all the initiative dreads uh, and snuffbox dreads got out. Um, bar 16 of them, which is just ridiculous and just shows how bad NC is at tackling anything, essentially. <laughs> well, you, you did have some interdiction going on in other systems to actually prevent some of like, the majority of your Titans to actually just jump on that situation. So, like, there was more going on than just what was happening on that grid, to be fair. Yeah, absolutely. Because there were dictators stopping things from warping away on the uh, uh, in other systems and things, and jumping out as well, and they need a loss of Titan on that grid too. But we won't talk about that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, the Titan, the Titan was going to die there, right? I mean, it, it was dead already. It was just it was everything that came after it, right? <laughs> it, was, yeah, it, was, it was that was the funny was thing. Literally, no way. That was the funny thing. So that was uh, a moment. But yeah, you're looking at that video now, and it's literally just explosion after explosion after explosion of source auxiliaries just land on grid and get exploded. So uh, yeah, good job, uh, Snuffbox Initiative. That was really well done. Now, Seamus, you had something uh, related to uh, Eve University that happened? Yes. So recently, Eve University discovered that some of our, uh, that one of our former war targets had assets, including an Asbel in a wormhole system. Uh, so we quietly set up an operation uh, to evict them from that wormhole system. And that went off successfully. And that was about two or three weeks ago. And the after action report is open to the public. Uh, I'll put a link in chat. 
Well, that's always kind of interesting because, like, you generally when you sort of think of wormhole evictions, you don't generally tend to think of, you know, sort of like ISEC uh, or sort of e like university style kind of things doing such. Sorry, McLeod. Um, apparently, I don't have permission to oh, put link. Um, yeah, I'm gonna get yeah, just just Bob Bosch. Uh, that sucks. Just uh, just chuck it into the channel and we'll. Uh, yeah, through it. There we go. Yeah. So yes, that was Operation Corrigan, and uh, we finished that about two and a half weeks ago. Eve oh, University congrats. does this from time to time. Uh, we'll occasionally discover, oh, hey, some current or former war targets have stuff in a wormhole somewhere. And then Titus, uh, Director Tilang, starts rubbing his hands together with glee. It's like it's like you're finding University someone's secret stash, right? It's like it's like it's like finding someone's secret secret stash that they don't realize that you found your this, you know, their secret stash. That's so kind of it's, it's kind of very very gratifying to sort of you know to nuke it. Yeah, we 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 have the scout tell us where the current uh, connections to K space are. We flood the wormhole system with uh, lots of newbies in new ships, get hole control, and then basically lay siege to everything. Just fantastic. Yeah, I was not personally. Yeah, I wasn't personally on this operation, but uh, since I joined Eve University, we've done this at least several times. Sorry, someone was going to say something. Uh, no. Um, what else? What else we got going on? Eh? Uh, we had. Um, was it a drunken Rome? Was it a drunken cap Rome by oh, Goons or something like that that happened? Was it something night, else? Yeah, Last night, Boat did a, uh, a, a drunken capital roam. I think he had about 80 caps in the fleet um, and went on a roam and went down into... I'm, try, I'm trying to think of where the hell it was. Now. Went down into FCON space somewhere and, uh, <laughs> and and had a bit of a slugfest. Oh, my God. It, it, was, it was... Number one, they were drunk. Um, or at least Boat was. And, uh, yeah, it was... It, I think it was probably at least the biggest capital Rome that I've that I've ever witnessed uh, and he's he streamed it live and and without a delay and you know it was like people knew where it was and and Fcon got in there and engaged and 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 dropped it and I mean, you know, to be to be fair, you have to kind of look at this sort of battle report in the context that it actually was. You know, it wasn't one of those like strategic events or anything like that. Any kind of, you know, there wasn't an objective in mind. It was just basically like a bunch of people had a bunch of caps and they thought, "Fuck it, um, let's go Literally have some fun with it. it." You know, so. But even so, 114. There's, you know, 114 billisk, billionisk. Uh, to 42. Pretty good, but even so. Just another night and eve these days. You just, know I mean? just another night and eve. <laughs> those Rorkles uh, heated up to, uh, to mine some new dreads. That might have been Sorry, already replaced. Already mined. Already <laughs> replaced it. Sorry, we're hitting our cap on the amount of items that we can have in our car in our uh, stations, so we can we need to kind of make room. But yeah, there was that. Yeah, there's a video to that as well, which I can play. Um, but we also well, had... yeah, I mean, he did he he did it live on his show during you know you know during the boat show right before uh, right before open comms last night, and uh, you know we let him go you know a few minutes extra just to uh, just to kind of finish it out. But uh, yeah, I mean like. It, it, Tweeted out about it ahead of time, you know, ran it live. 
that's pretty awesome so you you know like in like well the the video that's running right now is basically fcon's kind of view on the whole thing um i believe anyway um so you know you've got both perspectives now you have this video which is the perspective of fcon and you also have if you uh want to go back on this channel and go back to uh you know boats stream before the open com show um and you can see boats perspective of it which is always quite nice having both perspectives is really good But yeah, I don't know. Uh, you know what? Maybe it's time to uh, wrap it up and uh, you know get off to watching. I think the Alliance tournament's going to be coming back in just a uh, few minutes, so maybe now's a good time to. Uh, they they have a, yeah they, they have a count yeah they have a little countdown going, so they're going to be back in approximately three minutes. So yeah. Nice. Yep. So yeah, so why don't we uh, why don't we do shout outs? Uh, yeah, Jeronica, you got anything you want to uh, shout out there or final comments? I just kind of upset that uh, skill yourself didn't get their win today, but other than that, no, not really. I didn't check to see whether initiative won. God damn it! I'm I'm a terrible alliance. Uh, Sorry, I'm always checking it. Seamus, anything there? Uh, just a shout out to the several dozen Unistas who camped wormhole for three days straight. <laughs> damn, Phil. Um, good luck to everybody in the AT. I hope we see some explosions, hopefully some uniques or AT ships. Should be fun. Um, um, again, well done to uh, all my friends over at EVENT for putting on a fantastic Alliance tournament show. Um, hope it continues to go all nice and smoothly for you guys. And uh, well done to all the competitors in this year as well. Uh, from what I have seen so far, it looks like it's going to be an amazing tournament. Um, best of luck to all the new people in the North tournament and um, NC. I have faith. We're going to take it this year. Let's do it. Um, and that's pretty much it. Oh, and uh, thanks, guys, for losing a Titan this morning. Nice one. In style. <laughs> it's in style. McLeod, you don't usually get to say anything because you're I know, I know. not usually a participant on the show. So, you know, thank you. Thank you for both, uh, you know, you know, pushing the buttons today as well as being here to, uh, you know, to talk with us. Oh, thank, thank you very much. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I don't generally tend to have a, you know, a, a bit of a say on this show, but uh, I, I, I do apologize for the late start on this uh, in, you know, this particular episode of uh, Talking Stations. But uh, sometimes, you know, sometimes technical difficulties do occur. So, uh, but I just want to, uh, you know, shout out to uh, to my init bros, uh, to T grads. To uh, to snuffed out and Project Mayhem for this uh, this morning and you know uh, to and also to Northern Co Northern Coalition and to uh, Mercenary Coalition for uh, providing targets of opportunity for us. Yeah, McLeod God, is damn. always is always doing a lot of running around behind the scenes to make sure this show goes smoothly. Hey, you know what? It was something I commented last night on Open Comms about how this show has a producer, and it's like you know, it's one of the main differences between Open Comms and this one. Um, you know, you know, is the fact that he really look, he's got stuff up on the screen and whatnot. You know, it's like you know, he, he works all this stuff in the background, um, and you know, and it really does make a uh, make a big difference. But um, you know what? I got to throw in here the part that Matterall throws in about you know, if you'd like to support the show, you know, he'd greatly appreciate it. You know, we would greatly appreciate it. You know, from the team, you know, so follow, subscribes, bits, donations, whatever the hell it is you want to do. Um, you know, it, you know, or 
If you're listening on the podcast, you can contribute through patreon.com slash Metterall. Um, you know, definitely helps to support being able to put it out as, as a podcast, especially now that SoundCloud is apparently going the way of RIP SoundCloud. Um, so, yeah, so uh, I don't know. Thank you, everybody, today for uh, putting up with the fact that I was hosting this show. Uh, I will tell you, it is, uh, you know, only a few hours past open comms, so therefore it was a little difficult waking up for it as usual. But, uh, yeah, thanks for everybody for coming today and contributing. This went way longer than what I thought it was going to, because, you know, but this is what happens when, um, you know, people get in a room and just start talking about what's going on in EVE. As much <laughs> as we don't think there's stuff going on in EVE, there's things going on in EVE and around EVE and everything else. So, uh, it's uh, certainly been a good week for stuff, like lots of new things to look at, lots of uh, content going on, lots of people exploding spaceships, so it's good. But if you thought the show was rubbish, please direct any complaints to at Dirk McGurk on uh, Twitter. Thank you. Just send it to Matterall. <laughs> Dirk don't give a shit. No. <laughs> Anyways, thanks everybody. Uh, thanks for listening to Talking in Stations today, and uh, go check out the Alliance Tournament. It is, uh, once again, EVENT doing a bang-up friggin' job over there, so... Props to them. Hell yeah. Fly safe. And that's uh, twitch.tv forward slash Eve underscore hyphen underscore uh, uh, underscore NT underscore T. I'm so terrible at this. God, my God. God. Damn it. Twitch.tv slash Eve underscore NT underscore TV. There's a professional doing it right. This is why he's a producer, because he can do things properly. (laughs) For every underscore, take a drink. I drink to that. Yep. Anyways, thanks for watching, and uh, we're out. Later. See ya.